On today's brand new podcast, I'm talking with good friend, mental performance coach, Molly McQuarrie, about our attention, our focus, and our thoughts, and how we can improve them to get to that next level. My name is Jake Thompson, your Chief Encouragement Officer, and this is the Compete Everyday Podcast, a show designed to encourage and equip you with the tools to build a winning mindset so you can build your winning life. Text PODCAST to 972-945-9113 to join our Morning Motivation Club and visit CompeteEveryday.com for past podcast episodes and to learn more about our resources and gear for ambitious people who are ready to start winning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Competitor Nation. Welcome or welcome back to the show. Jake Thompson here, your Chief Encouragement Officer, and excited today to get to introduce you to my friend, Dr. Molly McQuarrie, as we talk about her work with youth athletes, the thought process that goes in, choosing our attitudes versus just feeling our emotions, and what someone knocking on your door and your dog barking has to do with the mental game. It's a great conversation. A lot of it focuses around her work with youth athletes, high school athletes. But as you see in the conversation, we get into a handful of things about how you can apply this in your professional life, why it's so important to have that productive thought process. So Molly gives some great tips and insights and maybe even a new way for you to look at your self-talk. So stick around for today's episode. Before we dive into the show, I wanna encourage you, if you are not part of the Compete Everyday email list, you missed the announcement yesterday that we have brought back our infamous coffee and squat shirt. That's right, one of our best sellers of all time that has been retired for the last few years is back on shelves because National Coffee Day is October 1st. And so we wanted to release a batch of this, a one-time print of shirts and tanks so you can get yours in hand and rep it on October 1st, National Coffee Day with a cup of your favorite Joe. So head on over to competeeveryday.com, use it, and guess what? Today, October 3rd, or it's not even October, today is August, August 31st, it is the last day to get 25% off a Coffee and Squat shirt or tank with the discount code caffeinated. All you gotta do is use the word caffeinated at checkout. You'll get your 25% off, and that deal expires tonight, or August 31st at midnight. See, I'm already thinking October because I'm so excited about National Coffee Day as a coffee lover. I could drink some Starbucks Pike. I could drink some homebrew, give it to me black. Maybe occasionally I'll put a little splash of cinnamon and honey, but for the most part, give me the good stuff. So if you like coffee, if you like a barbell on your back for getting some heavy squats, you need this brand new shirt. The answer is always coffee and squat. So head on over to competeeveryday.com, grab yours, support the show, help keep my cup of coffee full and keep me caffeinated while I keep pumping out episodes three days a week for you here on the Compete Everyday Podcast. Now, let's welcome into the show, Dr. Molly McQuarrie. Molly, welcome to the Compete Everyday Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to chat it up. Yeah, I am too. Uh, like a handful of our former guests on the show, you and I got some face-to-face -face time at Lauren Nicole Johnson's event, Elite by Choice, last November. 
Uh, and as we just jammed about a little bit, we'll both be there in Nashville this year. Uh, so if you're listening to this here in the month of August or September, uh, and you're in the mental performance space or want to be more in that space, uh, check out Lauren's event. So free, free plug for Lauren at the Elite by Choice event. Uh, but Molly, you're in Cleveland. You're doing some incredible work right now with athletes, helping them take their mental game to the next level. Before we dive into exactly what you're doing today, flashback with me 5, 10, 15 years ago, what was your mental game like growing up? Horrible, which is why I'm, <laughs> why I'm doing this, actually. Um, I grew up a multi-sport athlete, but swimming is what I really narrowed it down on from the age of four on. I had the same swim coach. She was like a second mother to me. Um, but I put so much pressure on myself to be successful. Um, I would get sick before races and I grew up in a really rural town in Kentucky. Mental health was not shined on, let alone mental performance training. Um, that didn't even know that that was a thing. And so really why I'm into this now is for my younger self, that little girl who had no clue what was happening to her before races. Um, and when I got to UK, I found out that it was a thing and I latched onto it. And so really the fact that I did not have the resources is one of my driving forces as to why I show up every day for athletes. So was it for you? And I'm curious, was it a constant battle to be perfect and flawless um, or was the bigger battle the self-talk when you weren't self-talk I had absolutely no clue about that chain reaction of my thoughts create my emotions my emotions create my physical responses in my body and then that's going to dictate how I perform and so when you're putting in well over four hours a day of cardio in the pool um, and then you go compete and it doesn't turn out how you want it to. Um, I had no clue that that all started with my thoughts and where I was placing my focus before meets. Um, definitely a self-talk issue for me growing when, up. When did you learn about it on campus? Did you get to campus and we're kind of going through potential majors and we're like, wait a minute, what is this? Or like what opened your eyes down to this path? Okay, so this is interesting. Um, I actually am a kinesiology undergrad. I was pre-PT. I applied to PT school and I just got accepted by one school when I had gone to study abroad in Australia for four months. I spent the summer um, with a physical therapist at one of the universities and my random roommate, who is now one of my best friends. We didn't even attend the same school, um, but she lives in Cleveland now. She was with the sports psychologist. And every day we would come home and we would eat dinner and she would tell me about how they're scanning brains. He's on the sidelines of these rugby games. And I was just fascinated by it. And so I immediately went back to UK, took the two sports psych classes that were in the department. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm changing my major and not going to PT school and going to do this. And I, I had no clue that it even existed before that. So that's how I found out about it. Yeah. And so uh, undergrad and grad at UK. And then doctorate was from University of Western States, which is an online program. So that kind of worked out with COVID happening. Yeah. Good timing. Good, good timing. Uh, and now you're at T3 in Cleveland. Um, tell me a little bit about the work you're doing today. Yeah. So we are an athletic training facility. We could see anywhere from... 
a six-year-old up to a professional athlete. And we contract out strength and conditioning coaches to a ton of different high schools and universities in the area. Um, on top of that, we have 600 baseball athletes and we are about to have 400 um, volleyball athletes. And so I am in a mix of all of that. When I first started there, I was just running small groups. They didn't have anything for mental performance and it turned into one-on-one -on -one stuff. So I built up my clients with that. It really, everyone was really skeptical of it at first. They didn't understand it, especially imagine me going into um, a practice of 15 to 17 year old boys. They have no clue what I'm doing. Um, and so they were kind of skeptical of it, but then it took some key stakeholders to see the benefits in it. And then they all just latched on to it. And so a lot of my work today is with our baseball organization, the T3 Warhawks. Um, and then I have full client load um, doing one-on-one -on -one work and then educating our coaches to be able to create a psychologically safe environment. So athletes continue to come back to us. Yeah. Well, and, and that psychologically safe one is incredibly important, especially youth athletics. There's some dangerous mm -hmm. stuff going on, parents, coaches, all of that. But additionally, to get better, practice is sloppy sometimes. And you've got to feel like this is a safe environment where I can take risk and try things and figure out, can I do this in a game? Can I not? And if you're always on edge psychologically, you can't do that. You're, you're trying to practice tight and you can't practice tight and expect to perform loose. I heard uh, Brian Kane on his podcast, maybe yesterday, day before he was interviewing uh, one of the baseball guys. Uh, and he was talking the guy was talking about how at the highest level, like he's coming back from an injury from, with the Cincinnati Reds and it's Jake, I can't think of Jake's last name, mm -hmm. uh, but he talked about how the mental work and the work with Brian specifically was so important for him to get back into it. And he talked to athletes, MMA fighters, a ton of people that do none of this mental work. And he's like, that's been such a game changer for me, not only coming back from injury, but getting the game. And he had like three hits and a home run in his first game. And he's like, yeah, I'll shower off the game afterwards, another game tomorrow. Like, he's like, this is all part of the mental process. And so he just, to your point of, you talked about everybody being skeptical. There's even some at the highest levels that haven't fully bought in, which is mind boggling because sports is such a mental game. Baseball, you're going to, you may win 101, you're going to lose 60. Like, how do you deal with loss? How do you deal with going to 0 for 3 at the plate? Just like in life, how do you deal with making a sales call and losing two sales calls? So the mental game is so much bigger than I think most people realize and that it can be, to your point, coached and developed. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not just how you were born. One of the things I want to ask you about that I saw on Instagram uh, a while back when you were working, because you're obviously working with the baseball team, um, was around focus. And I think it was a reel you had posted. And I was pulling it up. I think it was a reel you posted around uh, gaining control of your attention is a large part of happiness and peace of mind. Attention is like a muscle. The more you use it, the bigger and stronger it becomes. Talk to me a little bit about that. One, from an athlete standpoint, then maybe we'll transition to, to professionals and adults now of our attention is always under attack with not only what's going on up here and how we're talking to ourselves, but what's on our screens, what we're consuming. How are you talking to your athletes around attention and being more intentional with their intention, attention? 
there are going to be moments where focus will ebb and flow. So it's how do I attach a purpose with my actions? And when you put purpose on those actions, it just gets so much easier to perform. And so a lot of our high performers, what I, the conversations that I'm having is you've got to scout yourself out, understand your patterns of where am I losing my focus? Where should I be placing my focus? What gets me back on track when I'm not focused? The list goes on and on, but it's really about having them scout themselves out so that they can go into high pressure, high pressure situations. Are they high pressure situations? First of all, are we just perceiving them as that, right? Um, but, but in these games, they, if I've worked with them, they know what their tendencies are and they know mm, when I get into this situation, I have a tendency to place my focus on the past or the future or whatever it may be. And they have techniques in place to bring them back to center. And so I think the biggest thing with focus is scout yourself out. When are you, you performing at your best? When are you not? And am I placing my attention? That It's really about thoughts as well. Like I said, this all starts with thoughts. Yeah. Are you? Well, so I want to ask you, let me ask you a couple of things before we dive into thoughts, because I've got another yeah. question for your thoughts. When you're talking about the attention and scouting yourself on that piece, kid grew up with ADHD. My focus would be gone before I even realized it a lot of times. Mm -hmm. For those individuals who know they get distracted, know they lose focus, but if you ask them when, they're like, how do you start to peel back that onion a little bit, for lack of a better phrase, to help them start to identify it? So this is so interesting. I... I recently worked with an athlete who was coming back from injury and similar situation where he's like, I just get, so I'm on the mound. I get so fatigued. I couldn't tell you when it happens, but I just like black out. And all of a sudden I am exhausted. I'm not even thinking about what I'm doing. And so for well over three weeks, I made him get a journal and he, before he went out, he was journaling. What am I feeling in my body? What are the thoughts that I'm having? As soon as he stepped off the mound and these just live AB situations, right? Like this isn't a game situation. Um, I'm having him write down all the things he was feeling, thinking, what was going on in his body. So we can try to get a timeline, but it's also just about putting that intention of noticing starting simply, to look for it simply notice because most of the time the, those athletes just aren't thinking about that so if you can bring the attention and the awareness to them and they start to actually get disciplined at practicing noticing they'll start to catch on and, and they'll see a timeline usually yeah well and, and that goes back to the importance of that self-awareness and yeah. trying to be more self-aware and how that's just i mean gary vaynerchuk in the business world has talked about self-awareness being a superpower for years and why it's so important for us to understand that because then we can start to make adjustments we can yeah. be intentional with what we notice in adjustments so i'd cut you off talking thoughts because all of this stems from thoughts and i have a handful of questions for you on it, mm -hmm. but knowing that our attention and, and focus stems from thoughts, let's talk and, and look at that a little bit in terms of we can't control all of our thoughts. We can't mm -hmm. at least control the thoughts we hear. We can control which ones we listen to. 
So how do we start to maybe decipher what are we thinking and then how to evaluate it through the lens of what do I just hear? What do I listen to? How do I change what I consume to change it? All of that to starting to improve thought process and what's going on in our head. So do you want me to explain to you how I would, I could explain this, I could explain this to um, a 12 year old athlete that's sitting in my office. Do it. Same way that I could explain it to a professional athlete. Obviously my tonality would change. Duh. Okay. If we want to draw stick figures, do it. Let's do it. So there's this analogy that I've recently just kind of thought of. And my my dog is sitting right here next to me, laying, laying on the, on the ground next to me. Um, You know, there, you've probably heard of the whole traffic analogy in your brain. You've heard of that. A lot of people have heard of that, but I was sitting here and I, I try to explain what's going on when we have negative thoughts. So I will say, you know, do you have a dog at home? And they're like, yeah. And I said, okay, if someone were to knock on the door, what is your dog going to do? Lose it. Bark. Bark. He's yep. going to be scary, right? He's barking. Um, and I'm going to pet him and be like, oh, it's okay. Like, thank you for doing your job because what's his job? To protect the house. house. Yeah. His job's to protect the house. So I, I pet, pet my dog it's okay. We know this person. Thank you though. Thank you for doing your job because if he didn't do his job, that could be bad potentially. Same thing with our brain. The same way that my dog is barking, my brain is shouting out those automatic negative thoughts, right? We have to have those. We've got 50 to 70,000 thoughts on a daily basis because our brain's job is what? Protect. Yes. Survive. Yep. Yes. Our brain's job is to protect us just like our, our, our dog is protecting the house, our brain is protecting the house. It's protecting us. And that really sucks sometimes because in performance situations, we really do not need those negative automatic thoughts. It would be wonderful if we could stop them. And that's one thing that I've taught our coaches because in so many dugouts that I've been in this summer, I hear, just stop thinking negative. Just stop, just stop. Well, if it were that easy, we'd all do it and I wouldn't have a job. And so if I can explain to athletes what their brain's job is first and foremost, and that it is completely okay and normal for them to have the automatic negative thoughts because it is keeping them alive. And while they may not want to have that when they're, their foot's in the box, it's to be expected. So thank your brain for having it because it's keeping you alive, but then it is your job to control and choose more productive thoughts moving forward. And so what, what I would normally do, let's say like a first thought session with, um, let's say a 15 year old baseball player. Um, we're just going to kind of chat back and forth. We're going to brainstorm. I'm going to kind of list off to him some of the different thinking styles that our brain gets trapped under. I'm going to list them off. Give examples. Do you do that in a performance setting? Do you do it before? Do you do it after? Um, and then I'm going to give them some time to themselves. Once they've chosen which thinking styles they see themselves having most of the time, um, that's going to be like the should or must thinking or yep. the black and white thinking, you know, um, they're going to give me exact examples of some of those thinking styles, the thoughts that they're having that align with those thinking styles. And then we're going to work through them. And two simple questions when we are fighting the negative thoughts, who told me this and is it a fact? 
because more than likely you're telling yourself that and it is not a fact. So we work through that. And I also explain to them, you don't have to be positive. I don't, I don't think you have to be positive in certain performance situations. All that you've heard the whole negative to neutral. That's yep. kind of my flow. Like, let's figure out how to get to the facts. Let's figure out how to get neutral. If that's what works for you, because a lot of athletes find self-talk ingenuine that I work with at least majority of them. And so I'm not going to push the, the positive rainbows and butterflies. Let's just get to neutral. That way you can actually compete and place your focus on the things that are factual. Yep. Well, and, and that from a professional life sense is, is no different than as we talk about the productive side, like yeah. you don't have to be positive. You don't want to be negative. How do you be neutral or how do you look at it productively? What's the most productive thought, choice, word, action I can take in this moment? And that's so crucial because, yeah, to your point, if you're sitting in the box and I'm going to hit a home run, I'm going to hit a home run. I'm, I'm always going to hit a home run, you know, and then you hit a single or you strike out. You probably swing automatically the other way to negative versus all right, focus on making contact. Here's what the pitcher's doing. What's the most productive swing? Okay. After the hit or the miss, thinking productively, what do I need to adjust before the next time I go up there? You're looking at it from that different perspective versus the swinging back and forth of fake positivity to negativity again. Yeah. I loved uh I love the dog analogy. It's yeah. really good. Uh, you have to get creative when you're working with youth athletes sometimes. Yeah, no, but that's, I mean, that's a, you got to get creative when you're working with adults. Yeah. I'll, I'll say the same thing. You have to get creative working with adults, but that's a really cool way to look at it. Um, and also, I mean, to anybody listening, the dog instinctively, like that's what they do. They hear the door, my, my dogs, they hear the ring chime on my phone and they're just like, we don't even know who we're barking at. We're just barking because we know that means somebody's here. Right. But it's that job from a protection in hundreds of thousands of years, you know, humans have like our brains have been programmed that that's, it's that fight or flight mentality. We know when testosterone shoots through the body, we know that adrenaline rush, there's certain things biologically that are going to happen. But to your point, once it does, okay, cool. How do we reframe this? How do we get back to neutral? How do we take that productive thought? So one bad pitch doesn't become a bad game. One, you know, one bad sales outing doesn't become a week you give up on. Um, I think that's where a lot of times we get tripped up and, and be curious your thought from the, almost the sunk cost aspect of, and when I talk about it from an adult standpoint, you have a great nutrition plan for the day. You eat eggs for breakfast, but then you get into the office and there's donuts and you get a donut. And that becomes the pivotal moment. You ate the donut, but either you gave up on the rest of the day, the week, the month, because, hey, my diet's already ruined. I'll start it next week, next month. Or I ate the donut. What do I need to eat for lunch to get back on track? Mm -hmm. Athletes will have that same thing happen in a game. How do we get them out of the last choice has to determine this choice to last play, last choice is independent of the next one? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. I don't think there's a cookie cutter answer to that. Wouldn't I think, think there would be. Right. I think what, I think that really depends on the athlete figuring out what helps you reset best. A lot of that has to do with attitude. A lot of it. It's choices that you make. 
and the attitude that you're choosing to have. And sometimes I don't think that they, in the moment, they don't realize that they have a choice. Yeah. I've seen talk about, so, talk about that. Ooh, so many athletes where I have to know my place in the dugout as well, because some of these athletes, there's 600 of them. I don't work with all of them individually. Right. But there are some key players that I work with on every single team. And then there are those athletes who I haven't worked with. They've made me hurt. They've heard me maybe 10 minutes, you know, say some words, but my job is to be in there, build relationships with the clients that I'm working with. I'm, you know, that I know what they need and what they don't need. Yeah. Right. But with these players that I haven't worked with, it eats me up because I, I will watch them. One strikeout turns into two, obviously. They take it out into the field. They come back into the dugout and they're just being an absolute drain, a cancer to everyone around them. And so that's where I, I have to read the room. Is this someone that I can go up and talk to and say, hey, this is a choice. Your attitude is a choice right now. The way are you, the way you are responding to this is a choice, but I don't, they're, they're so narrow within their focus. So narrow that it's, it's black and white. Right. And so awareness, I stick around for a couple more games and I have sidebar conversations about it when, once they've kind of cooled off, you know, but then that's also where you can utilize your leaders in the team and say, Hey, do you see the effect that this person's having? on everyone else what can you do what like what can you do about it um so utilizing the other players as well I, mean, I want to answer your question I want to ask you about that not not just the utilizing but the the choice aspect and the power it comes from knowing it's a choice my instinct as with a lot of people's is like this is just how I feel I can't choose this like I'm in a bad mood because I just struck out how do you help them distinguish between what they're feeling and their attitude that they're choosing. Mm. Separating emotions and actions, mm -hmm. really processing that. Um, one thing that I've done with a lot of our, our teams too is sim super simple. Um, and I know that this wouldn't work for every single team, but most of our guys have notebooks, like mental reps notebooks, little mm -hmm. small ones they keep in their bags. And they literally get them out what went well, what didn't go well, what am I going to do about it moving forward? It makes them analyze the situation that helps them se step away from all those negative thoughts and emotions and actually try to acknowledge something that, that went well and didn't go well. Um, that's one way to get kind of just very down on paper with it. I think that yeah. helps a lot and they can do that in the moment if coaches allow. <laughs> but I was about to say the writing and I, I mean, especially given the circumstances, but the writing is so crucial for just self-awareness, mm -hmm. like getting it out of here onto here, or just seeing it. Sometimes writing whatever's going on, you know, what's going on, but looking at it on a piece of paper puts it in a whole other light for us, mm -hmm. which starts to change maybe how we see it and then how our relationship with it can adapt and grow. Yeah. So when we talked off air, as we're kind of wrapping up today, I know y'all have a, a ton of things going on right now at T3. Talk to me about what this fall looks like, what you're excited about coming down the pipeline for just you personally, and then with the overall team. Yeah. 
Um, I'm really looking, we're, we're actually this, this week, we're, we're switching to our fall schedule, which means we'll be in of an evening mainly. Um, I'm really excited. Our, our baseball players are getting back in. They're just going to be training of an evening. Um, we've got this brand new volleyball organization that we're going to be taking up. Um, so I'm going to be implementing mental skills for them, which those athletes haven't had someone on staff for. So I'm really excited to start building relationships with them, um, getting to know their coaches, players, and seeing probably going to start traveling with them as well. Um, so that's what I'm looking most forward to. Um, and we recently just came out with an online platform that I'm really excited to get out to everyone. I haven't even put it out on my social media yet. Um, we just kind of finalized that. And so we're about to start sharing that. And I made this so that it's super accessible for athletes or performers in general, just to be able to access it on their phone and work through modules that they would kind of get the same thing with me one-on-one, -on -one, but on their phone. Um, so I'm also looking forward to, to pushing that out. Love it. Love it. And then obviously if you are in the Cleveland area, T3 is the place to go. Yeah. We've wow. got all different types of things, adult fit, just, just did an adult fit class this morning. It's a great workout. Um, but athletes, adults, anybody really, it's a place Super. to be. And so Molly, best place for us to connect and follow along with your work online. What, uh, what social media platform you love the most and where can we follow you? Twitter and Instagram. Um, both are mental reps at mental reps. Yeah, we can, I can send you the links. Um, yeah. for that. we've got it. We'll have, we'll be linking to them in the show notes for everybody. Uh, so you can follow along Molly's work. Uh, she's an awesome individual. If you want to meet her, as I mentioned, she'll be at Lauren's event. So will I in November in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, but in the meantime, be sure to give her a follow online. Uh, if you're in the Cleveland area, check out the work we're doing, and especially this new online platform that they're building for their client base. Sounds like it's going to be a real game changer to helping them continue to build their game. Molly, thank you incredibly for coming on the show this week. Thank you for having me. I loved it. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. To get in touch with the team, drop us an email to podcast at competeeveryday.com. And to find out more about our resources, content, and gear that will help you build that winning mindset so you better compete for your best life, visit competeeveryday.com.